HQ, folks. XQ quality. Better than HQ, but no one knows what the X stands for, except for extremely good. <clears throat> Here we go. Welcome to episode 179 of Channel Massive. My God, we're so close. Can you believe we've come this far? 180 is only a heartbeat away. That's right. And then we'll have a total eclipse of the heart. Well, yeah, and we, we, we will begin our final year of broadcasting because we know <laughs> sometime in December in 2012, the world will, in fact, end. So Yes, we'll be- this is the final countdown. Now, if it were up to us, listeners, we would continue to broadcast even after the apocalypse. (laughs) Because we'll likely still be here. Yeah, we'll most likely be surviving with the cockroaches and Keith Richards (laughs) in our underground bunker here at Channel Master Headquarters. Uh, That's right. We're just just not sure that you'll be able to hear us when we finally do get around to broadcasting the, uh, what would you call it? It won't be AD anymore. It'll be like after AA. AD? After Apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be sad? Like, you know, in all the Apocalypse movies, there's these emergency broadcast transmissions. Like, you need to go to this such and such location. Yeah. That's where the survivors are. But in our version of the world, the only thing broadcasting will be just be more episodes of Channel yeah. Massive. <laughs> We won't have any new games to be reviewing, so we'll have to like start back at the beginning with like Pong. Like, Rediscover the eighties. Loved it, hated it, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> awesome. We'll have a point counterpoint discussion about Breakout. Yes. And like an epic story arc of five podcasts. We'll find a way to do it. Yeah, we will. <laughs> There's anyone who's up to that task, it's us. Power, power might be kind of uh, limited, so we might only be able to really power up a, you know, Atari 2600 at that time. I'm not sure. I'm sure that we'll be able to engineer some kind of yeah. solar-powered array. Surely we can do it. <laughs> really, it's not a, a question of our abilities, but our motivation. Yeah, <laughs> We might just want to plunder all the stores and with the you know population totally gone. Might be fun to just go shopping. I don't know. I don't know who's going to keep making the Cheetos. Well, that's a good point. I think they'll expire in like a year, so we'll have till 2013 to binge on like snack (laughs) foods, and then after that, it's going to be pretty lean. We'll have to go out to the field and hunt our own game and fish and. Yeah. Come, you know, foragers and our, actually healthy. Our agrarian society will have broken down and we'll be back to hunter gatherer society. Yeah. But that's all right. Something to look forward so you, to, listeners. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and this episode, if you can't get the vibe, what we're going to do is we're going to be talking about our pre apocalypse predictions for 2012. Yeah. We're excited. Yeah, we figure it's a good end-of-year activity. We hope that this episode will be going up 
either before New Year's or shortly thereafter. We have gone through the Christmas gauntlet now, and we're getting ready to go to the, through the New Year's gauntlet. We've seen things. We have. Horrible things. And we would love to hear if you agree or disagree or want to add on to our predictions. And you can do that by sending in your comments to mail. M-A-I-L. At channelmassive.com. And also, please, we would love any reviews that you would like to share with us, share about us over on iTunes. Yep. Five stars to show your passion. Yes. <laughs> Angry, loving, or even indifferent. You can have five stars of indifference. I really kind of like that. It's it's yeah. a, a bit poetic. It is. <laughs> I passionately, I am passionately dispassionate about this. <laughs> passionately apathetic. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's kind of how my life is, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I should leave one of those. You start a, you should start a really <laughs> gloomy band with that name. Yeah. Be a good end of the world yeah, experience. Yeah, I think so. Before we get into our predictions, we will be talking about what we've been playing in the last week, and we have some listener feedback and updates that we'll get into, then we'll get into all those predictions. We hope you like the show. Here we go. This episode of Channel Massive is sponsored by UGT Service. When you order Ventrilo hosting from UGT, you get all of the powerful administration features hardcore gamers want and the ease of use that newbie gamers need. With 24-hour tech support, 13 locations worldwide, and a 15-day money-back guarantee, you'd be crazy not to check them out. Head to UGT-Servers.com for all of your Ventrilo hosting needs. Don't wait for answers. Just take a chance. Part of the show where we discuss what we're playing. This is where we talk about games we've played last week. <laughs> we, this is a really high quality introduction. <laughs> okay, scratch that. <laughs> oh, excuse me. So, Noah, what yes, have you ma'am. been playing? Oh, why, thank you for asking. Taken by surprise, <laughs> ambushed, if you will. <laughs> Since we last recorded, I have. Did I play? Any, I don't think I play any League of Legends. No, no League of Legends. I've been wow. over at my parents' place, so I could play League of Legends on my laptop, but I haven't. Instead, I have played a bunch of Portal Two. I played that with a mom today, and I also got the newest Professor Layton game, which is excellent. It's an adventure game on the DS. It's all full of brain teasers and really good story and great music. Love it. It's really fantastic. I got it for Christmas. I also got some PS3 games, but I don't have my PS3 with me, so I didn't play that. But my parents came over to my apartment. We took a trip up to Denver, and we I was able to give them a demo of the PS3, so I played some Super Stardust HD and 3D and then some Uncharted 3. And also a Killzone demo in 3D. Obviously, there's a theme there. It was just about showing them 3D television, which they thought was really cool. And I think other than that, it's... Yeah, we have just played... uh, I got this really cool Tetris board game. And it's kind of set up... Gosh, it's kind of like Connect 4, in that there's a vertical board that you drop Tetris pieces into. And... 
the idea is since you're dropping pieces in and lines don't automatically clear, what you're trying to do is connect continuous strings of your pieces. So you have to get three pieces adjacent to one another, and then you get three points, and then each additional piece that you can have connected to that block gets you an extra point beyond that. And then other people, they can play a piece that cuts off your ability to connect pieces, so you have to start over uh, with new clusters. And it builds up in about 15, 20 minutes, but it's really cool. It's called Tetris Link. Definitely recommend it if you like board games and ever really loved Tetris and wanted to have a true, tangible, very cool-looking and fun Tetris game. Check it out. How about you, Mark? What have you been playing? Well, what I've been playing is... Uh, a little bit more League of Legends than normal. One of my old buddies who was playing it quite intensely and then his computer melted down and he kind of took a extended break from it for almost a year, has gotten back into it and jumped in with both feet. And so I played a couple of times with him and I've been enjoying it because uh, after kind of a break from it, it's it's kind of fun to get back in and just really, I mean, your whole world really does kind of, condensed to a point uh, when you play that game. I mean, your attention has got to be so focused on what's going on. And I'd kind of forgotten that feeling having been playing, you know, uh, uh, Star Wars, The Old Republic, an MMO where you can kind of go at a more leisurely pace and you get, you know, do-overs and things like that. And um, Yeah, especially so, with Dominion, you have to really be engaged yeah. focused during that game. It is like a, there is just no room for error there, and uh, and that's mostly what I've been playing is the Dominion mode. And so, um, really, I've been enjoying it quite a bit, and I'm, I'm planning on playing a bit after this podcast tonight, in fact. So, I'm gonna Ooh. Do that. Yeah, with one lucky co-host. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and I've been playing uh, Star Wars Old Republic. I'm, I'm still playing. You know, I'm just—I don't have a lot of discretionary time to throw at these games these days, so I'm only at up to like level 21, I think, with my Sith uh, Juggernaut guy. Um, well, that's but I'm, bad. I mean, how many levels are in the game? 50, so I'm almost halfway. You know, level-wise, uh, it's fun. I'm enjoying it quite a bit. I have my own starship. I did some of the space battle stuff, which really reminds me of oh, what was that first game that came out for? It was a Star Battle Wars Assault? game. Yes, it's kind of like that, but better. Kind of like that mixed with a good space shooter. But there's there's definitely kind of an on-rails thing to, you know, the course your ship is taking and you're just doing a lot of the shooting. But it's really fun. And uh, I've been I've been doing those missions and, um, you know, just becoming more and more evil. And I have my second companion, which is this robot that can heal me and, and uh, you know, is kind of entertaining to talk to. He's a total kiss-ass, kind of like C-3PO. Um, so yeah, I've been, I've been, I've really been enjoying it quite a bit. Um, you know, I'm I'm planning on chugging through to level 50 and seeing what the end game stuff's all about and, um, all in all very fun. So I'd say that's pretty much, oh, oh, I've been playing my, um, my iPhone game, Tower Defense Lost Earth. And now I can tell you there are only four more maps left for me to finish and I will have defeated the game on hard mode, which I will feel pretty good about. And I still haven't uh, succumbed to looking at anybody else's solutions to maps. So that'll be pretty cool. A feather in my mobile gaming cap, and the only feather in my mobile gaming cap, and most likely the only feather ever to be in my mobile gaming <laughs> cap. But, you know, we'll see. So that's yeah, it for you, me. that reminds me of when I was playing Portal 2 earlier. 
The last time I played it was around Thanksgiving, and it was kind of a marathon session, just playing and playing and playing. And I got to the point where it's I, I was unwilling to invest as much time into the puzzles as I was near the beginning, which is a bit silly because as you get further into the game, the puzzles get more complex. Yeah. <laughs> and my patience was growing thin, and so I would try for like, maybe three to five minutes and be like, all right, game FAQs. <laughs> Right. Made a try. I mean, I wouldn't go instantly to game FAQs. I'm not going to trot through the walkthrough like some kind of moron yeah. because that's no fun at all. But today, now that I had a month-long break, <laughs> I actually put some time into it, and the puzzles are so much more rewarding when you can figure them out on your own. They are so rewarding. Now, have you tried um, Try On 2 yet? Trying 2? Yeah. No, I haven't, and that is something I would love to play because that actually has co-op this time, doesn't it? Yeah, and I bought it. Um, so if you, uh, if you grab it, um, I will play it with you. That sounds like a really cool idea because that's a beautiful game and it's really fun. It's got a Lost Vikings kind of vibe to it. It does, which I was a Lost Vikings maniac and, uh, um, they're giving you really good reviews on Metacritic. I actually bought it before I saw it scored on Metacritic. I bought it just because I checked out the video of it and it was so... It was so reminiscent of Lost Vikings, I just had to have it. And it was only like $4 or something ridiculous on Steam uh, during, during a sale. So I just grabbed it. But um, then I saw that it had multiplayer, co-play for three players, and I'm I'm in, you know. So um, Sweet. Yeah, if you buy it, I'll definitely play it with All you. Right. Yeah, we're getting, speaking of gaming, we are getting ready to have another LAN party coming up. Yeah, that's going to be fun. And that uh, the reason why I thought of that is because I have to buy worms, which oh yeah, Mark and I both have to buy worms. I don't think either. Of, have you ever played worms at all? No, I've never. Played Neither them. have I. And we have some people coming who are just diehard worms fans. And all that I think of when I think of worms is a 2D screen with hills on it, and you play a worm who shoots mortar attacks. And when the mortar attack lands, it takes chunks out of the landscape and potentially takes other worms with it. But apparently there's a lot more to it than that. You know, I think of um, putting a worm on a fish hook when fishing when I was a kid. <laughs> so That's completely unrelated. <laughs> yeah, that's what comes to mind when I think of that game. Yeah, so we will be worms virgins when we try this yeah. coming up. And if you're a big fan of worms and you can explain to us what the fuss is about, we would love to hear it because right now we are currently definitely not converts. We also are going to play, I think, maybe some StarCraft II and League of Legends, which should be. Now, once we get to the League of Legends phase, life will be good. Yes, it will. Everything else will be <laughs> sucky. Will. <laughs> and the funny thing is, is I'm sure other people will have the inverse opinion. Yeah. <laughs> once like, we stop oh. playing worms, it's going to really suck. <laughs> That's true. Listeners, if you have any suggestions of other games that we can play that are good for five or so people that don't involve Warcraft 3 mods, let us know. <laughs> I can't believe I'm glad you knew <laughs> that reference. Because I, like, I threw in the David because I, I went to check oh, uh-huh. to make sure that I was using the right character name because I didn't remember what his name was. Oh, right, right. Because <laughs> I didn't want to use the 2001. Right name which what's the 2001 name oh for uh the the movie 2001 yeah david bowman 
Because <laughs> I was making a War Games reference. Okay, listeners, what we're talking about is when we do this remote recording thing, because I'm still down in Colorado Springs and Mark is up in Denver, for some reason when we do use this setup and I stop recording, we can no, I can no longer be heard. Only Mark can talk and I can hear him, but he can't hear me saying anything. So we just started typing in the Google Docs and I asked him in all caps if he would you like to play a game, David? And <laughs> it was a war games. <laughs> and Mark got it, which is also I, I think he did because he's like, <laughs> yeah, can we play thermonuclear global annihilation? <laughs> and I said, why, yes, that is the one game that I have to play. You're in luck. <laughs> Yeah, I think our, we were we were clicking there. <laughs> Fortunately, no <laughs> listeners were privy to it, so you know. Yeah. So I just, since we're recording again, I, I wanted to say something to Mark about that. But really, this section, this segment that we're going to do right now is all about you, listeners. It is listener feedback time. First of all, from Slane, who also is AKA Scott in Afghanistan. He's no longer. In Afghanistan, he let, he's dropped us a note, which if you check our website regularly, you will see it in the comments section, I think of episode 177, that he is out of Afghanistan and has come back to North America. We're really excited and happy to have him return. And hopefully that means that he should be able to join us on the show for an episode yeah. coming up here in January. So we need to get our, our guest list in order. Yeah. yeah um, Scott, you know, if you're listening, we have... We have a whole bunch of guests lined up for January, and um, we're working on February. But any date you pick in January, we will happily bump people the hell out of the way for you. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Anyone who is on the list for January listening right now, just pretend you didn't hear that. <laughs> I don't think they know, though. They don't it's, know. It's, it's, so, so it's not insulting to anyone in particular. Exactly, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a behind closed doors. Right. Star Discussion type thing. negotiation. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's exactly like that. <laughs> and it involves Google Docs. Yeah. A lot of Google Docs. Yeah. In a very surreptitious way. That's right. <laughs> now, next up, we also have, we got a really awesome long email from Agamemnon to let us know how his Christmas went. Sounds and that's agonizingly something... horrible. Yeah. Yeah. So, First of all, it's great to hear from you, Agamemnon. He he's been on Radio Silent for a little while because he got a new job back in October, and has been getting really he's been really busy, you know, ramping up. As we all know, when you get at a new job, it's a big learning curve, and it just kind of consumes everything about your life for a while. And then, of course, there's the holidays, which consume the rest of your life. Yeah, that's right. And so the, the beacon of light in his world was Christmas. He was really hoping and expecting to get Star Wars: The Old Republic. And unfortunately, even though that was apparently the one thing he desperately wanted for Christmas, and he even underlined it and bolted it, Star Wars The Old Republic, in his email, it has come, the, the holiday has come and gone, and he's still not playing it because his wife mistakenly waited until the week before Christmas to try to get the game from GameStop. And guess what? Epic fail. <laughs> At least it's out of stock in quote unquote redneck heaven, i.e., Georgia. <laughs> So he's all bummed out because he has to wait, and he's worried that he's going to read some flame post that, that will tell him that the game is not worth his time. But which really, if he wanted to do that, he could have read Metacritic last week because we talked about that in yeah. last week's episode. Oh, yeah. There's all these angry, angry people, and so so, and it's not like he doesn't have something great to play in the meanwhile because he's playing Skyrim. Yeah, he's like, he's not in well, bad company there. I mean. 
But yeah, definitely, if you wanted to read some flaming posts, the uh, original Metacritic posts were awesome. It was just full of people who were basically saying that they really wanted um, the old Star Wars The Old Republic, the MMO, to not be an MMO. Yeah. Well, or they wanted it to be a true sequel to the other Knights of the Old Republic games, right. which it's not that either. It's not that either, yeah. <laughs> it is a something in between, but it's much more on the MMO side. Yeah. And with with Agamemnon here putting in 200 hours into Skyrim, this guy sounds like a total all-star MMO player, the type of gamer that MMOs are made for. And he'll probably zoom past many of us in the Old Republic. And when I say us, I mean you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure he's going to. He's probably well past me, even if he has only one day of play. Yeah, and he did ask us if we got any good stuff for Christmas. So did you get any games, Mark, for Christmas? Uh, I got no games for Christmas except for um, the, uh, oh, darn it, the one that I got on uh, Steam that I thought was from Jason, but it wasn't from Jason. It was from someone else who I don't know who it was. It's all terribly confusing. Um, So whoever it was, if if you're a listener, it was Just Cause 2. And I could have sworn. Oh, that is such an awesome game. I could have sworn it was Jason that sent it to me because I thought he chatted with me. I thought I was chatting with Jason. And. We're talking to this person you don't even know who they are? Yeah, well, I was, you know, I was naked. I had the lights (laughs) down low. And and then, like, the next day. As you usually are when you play games. Because luck would have it, I saw Jason at at Toby Keith's whatever wild extravaganza to watch the UFC. And he was like, that wasn't me. And I was like, well, damn. Uh, so anyway, whoever sent me Just Cause 2, please let me know because I really appreciate it. And, uh, and, uh, you know, I, I have started playing it a little bit. That grappling hook's freaking amazing. It's addictive. Yeah, it is. You start to think in terms of, man, if I only really had that in the real world, the things I could do. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There are a few open world games that I like or that I've been able to get into, I guess is the better way to put it. Yeah. But that is one of them. That one and Red Faction Gorilla. And you know, Oh, Red Faction Gorilla is great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Awesome kick butt game. Yeah. My dad got, gosh, he got so many games for Christmas. It's, it's the go to thing for me. My mom is to get him games for Christmas. So he got Battlefield 3, which he destroyed the single player campaign disc on because he was trying to install the game and then he turned his Xbox, he moved his Xbox while the game was being installed and it scratched the disc. So oh ruin that. Oh my god. Which really sucks because that was one of my gifts to him. Uh-huh. He also got Modern Warfare 3, which I think is what he's pa- playing right now. And Duke Nukem, cause, <laughs> which is a trash game, but it was available for like 10 bucks or something. So yeah. I'm like, hell yeah, I'll just get him that. Why not? And he also got Crisis 2 and one other game. That I can't remember. I think he got, maybe it was only, oh, oh, Rage. Rage, yeah. That's what got me into this. Which is an open world game made by the ID or id folks, whatever you call them. Oh, yeah. Graphics are so good in that game. And it's an open world first person shooter that's very reminiscent of Borderlands and Fallout, but pretty cool. I'm just waiting for the price to drop. When you, when you look at the trailer for that, that game is incredible looking. Yeah, I've watched him, I've watched him play for a couple hours over, this holiday, my nice slacker vacation that I'm having here. Yeah. It's actually pretty cool. It's pretty entertaining to watch, at least. I'm not sure if I'd play it or not, but, and then he has also played a bunch of Dead Space too, so I've watched him play that, and, uh, 
he's actually played through it twice because my mom was harping on him all this year that he couldn't play Modern Warfare 3, let alone Modern Warfare 2, which he's been pretty much playing the multiplayer nonstop for the last two years. She told him he couldn't play that anymore until he finished the other games that we've gotten him over the holidays because he just kept playing Modern Warfare 2. So he's going through Dead Space 2. And he ended up playing it twice because he played it through normal difficulty and he got to the very last level and he, he just didn't have enough bullets. He couldn't beat the final boss. Oh. And so he started on easy like a couple days ago and he went and he finished it oh, yesterday. That's cool. So that was, I was really impressed because that still took a lot of time oh, to yeah. get through. It's got to. And, but he actually got through it <laughs> because we wanted him to play the freaking games. We got him. <laughs> it was really cool. And it makes, made me wish I could play that. But rage on this whole topic of open world games looks like an open world game that would be kind of cool to get into. Especially knowing that it's not all that southwestern landscape, that there's other yeah. landscapes in the game. It's, it's pretty well done. Um, the other games that I got, I did get a few games for Christmas. I got Professor Layton and The Last Spectre, which I mentioned earlier, and The Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword, which is like the definitive Wii game. You actually run around and it's one-to-one motion control with the sword. Oh, okay. And some enemies, they can only be attacked with vertical slashes, or you have to stun them with a horizontal slash and then get them with a the vertical, or there's even diagonal slashes or thrusts. And then all of his weapons and stuff, like the, whether it's a whip or if it's a boomerang or it's a bow and arrow or it's a flying beetle, mechanical beetle that you can maneuver through, it's all controlled using Wii Motion Plus, so it's all very, very super precise. It's not the traditional oh, cool. Wii Sports controls. That's cool. Uh, so I got that. And then I also got uh, God of War 3 and Heavy Rain for my PlayStation oh, nice. 3. Wow, you got a lot. Which, like, greatest hits bargain bargain games, which is it's so cool to get a system late in its lifespan because you can get all of its best games really cheap. Oh, well, that's cool. You know, yeah, I didn't I didn't get any games, but one gift I did get for my son, which I I just have to mention because of the hilarity that ensued, was I got him a remote control uh, arachnid. Um, it's a uh, Cool. It's a gigantic, uh, oh, what do you call it? What are those big spiders called? I can't think of, uh, tarantula. It's like, yeah. a, it's about a eight inch long tarantula that can cruise pretty fast on a wood floor. And it was just so funny to watch him antagonize the pets with it. <laughs> like father, like son. Yeah, it was so funny <laughs> because my mastiff like just looked at it and like, he like put his nose down on it and was like, it's not real. And it didn't have any, like, interest. But my dog that's, like, half boxer, he thought it was, like, the end of the world. He was just, like, flipped out about it. It was so funny. You know, he just, was he running away from yeah, it? Yeah, he was, like, running away. And he'd look oh around the gosh. corner at it, and then he'd come up close to it, and then he'd move, and he'd run away. And he just – Oh, my God. It was so funny. My cat just <laughs> disappeared for, like, the rest of the oh, day. I'm she was, like, not giant, giant spider that could eat my head. I'm leaving. But yeah, it's, it's pretty <laughs> funny to watch. So. That's really cool. I, you know, remote control toys—they seem to be making a comeback lately. Oh gosh, yeah. I mean, it... whether it's helicopters or this dude at my work, he got this really sweet hovercraft that's controlled by an iPad from Brookstone. Uh-huh. It's like three hundred bucks. Is it but... the quadcopter thing? Yeah, oh, yeah. It's God. big. It's like two feet by two feet. Yeah. And it's got a camera below it and a camera pointing yeah. forward and. Wow, it's really cool. There's a um, there's a, a YouTube video of one of those. They flew it around like New York, and it's insane. I mean, those things are crazy. Yeah, that's it's really sweet. I mean, if I had money to burn like that dude at work, yeah, <laughs> I, I would consider it. A, wow, what an investment. Uh, back to Agamemnon's 
big old email. He did have one extra PS. He said, my daughter got a bass for Christmas and just started to learn that. She also plays keyboard and little drums. Do you think Rocksmith is worth getting for? She's more or less a music savant when it comes to learning how to play by ear. This is a, definitely a question for Mark. Well, it's kind of that's kind of a tough one. I mean, if you want to get her a game to play, I would definitely recommend Rocksmith versus um, like Rock Band or Guitar Hero, just because it's it allows it would allow her to you know play plug an actual guitar in and play it, and it's a lot more true to. I mean, it's a real instrument, but if she's actually really good at learning how to play by ear in general i don't know that you know she would use that as a tool to to learn how to play an instrument so well isn't rocksmith purely guitar based and not bass guitar it's currently guitar based but there's supposed to be some kind of i have it's been kind of murky what it's going to be if it's going to be a like a dlc package or if it's going to be some kind of a add-on or you know for that you would purchase but they're talking about a bass version of it um that you could play with a bass. So, but right now, Rocksmith is purely just for guitar. Um, That's interesting. They they could do a lot of stuff with that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you know, it, it's, 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 I'm really impressed with Rocksmith. I mean, I find it to be quite good. And if you wanted to get her a game to just kind of, I don't know, get it, keep her interest with music going. Cause sometimes just like, Playing a bass, especially if you don't have like a good amp or something like that, and you don't have people to play with, it can be kind of tedious. But having a game like that where you can play with a full band is really fun. So might be a good option. It's the best of the three I can think of. Yeah, if she were more interested in just playing something for fun versus and, and really just working on rhythmic skills, which doesn't sound like she needs to work on that at all. Yeah. But if she was more interested in the presentation and customizing the avatar and having flexibility to play with other people, then I would go the rock band route. Absolutely, yeah. But if it's more about learning, yeah. definitely Rocksmith. It's just Rocksmith's presentation, in my opinion, isn't as flashy or as customizable as rock band. It's very unflashy, actually. But it makes sense because there's so much more that you have to process mentally yeah. going on. I still, on I can't get over watching people play that game for the first time, how painful it looks. Yeah, it is. I mean, yeah, I've, I've seen now six different people play it and I'm like, God, that looks bad. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and I'm sure I looked pretty pained myself when I was first trying it too. So. Anyway, hope we answered your question adequately and thanks for writing in. It was good to hear from you. Yeah, definitely. Thank you very much, Agamemnon and Scott and Af- Scott Slain. Slain Scott. Can't call him Scott in Afghanistan anymore because it's not true. No. So, Formerly of Afghanistan. Yeah. Great to hear from both of you and look forward to having Slain on the show. And if any of you out there want to write in for our next episode, share your own predictions and comments on our predictions that we're about to get into, send that into mail. Email. At channelmaster.com. We can only do this once a year, but I suppose, I suppose we could do it more than once a year, but it just feels right to make predictions at the end of the year. Yeah. For the following year. It feels it feels honest. Anything else would be kind of disingenuous, you know? Yeah. Kind of like you're like, well, I already kind of have had, you know, three months or, or two quarters of the year to kind of judge where things are going, and now I'm going to make a prediction? No. I like to just go... <laughs> 
It's a clean slate. Let's take a shot at it. And if we fall flat on our face, so be it. And I think predictions are probably, Mark, one of your favorite type of shows to do because you've written predictions in the past for Channel Massive. You've done prediction shows. This is definitely right up your alley. Well, yeah, because I'm not afraid to be wrong. (laughs) Or be right. Or be right, yeah. So we have all these different talking points that we're going to go through, and they're loosely grouped into categories that are in a random order that we will not disclose. So you're just going to be kind of on this crazy roller coaster ride with us, at least in terms of the categories. But first up is the technology category, Alex, for $200. I'll take S-Wards for 500 Alex, or Swords for 500 <laughs> First up, something that... I've been talking about a lot during the last couple of months is 3D visuals because I've gotten a 3DS and also a 3D television and been really getting into it before 3D was just kind of a thing that I was kind of interested in as far as movies were concerned. I remember we went to see Superman returns in 3D and I remember wishing that I had seen the attack of the, or what was it? Revenge of the Sith in 3D. Missed oh, yeah. it. They're releasing, they're re-releasing episodes one through three in 3D. Star Wars. Speaking of Star Wars, this upcoming year. Really? Yeah. I did not know that. But that's the kind of 3D that I think has turned a lot of people off from 3D during the last year. Whether it's Alice in Wonderland or Pirates of the Caribbean, a lot of movies have done after the fact 3D, where the movies filmed traditionally, but people go in with computers and they add a 3D effect. After the fact, even my television can do that. It's really weird. I can say, pretend that this 2D image is in 3D and it will on the fly make it a very subtle 3D effect. But a lot of that, it's, it's underwhelming. It's not that exciting. But some devices, when they, when they're dedicated and they do it well, whether it's 3DS, which has glasses free 3D or several smartphones out there have glasses free 3D now, or your 3D televisions that have either passive 3D, which is basically just like those glasses you get at the theater, it's polarized lenses, or active glasses, shutter glasses that require a battery charge, and they are literally polarizing on the fly. When it works well, it works really, really well. So our first question is, do you think 3D will really continue to take off, or will it be reduced to a fad that will pass and... The next generation of TVs won't be a big deal. The next generation of smartphones and handheld gaming systems, it's its still going to be very minimal, if present at all. What do you think, Mark? You know, uh, it's something I don't know a lot about as far as the technology goes. I don't, I don't own anything 3D at this point, um, although it's always interesting because, you know, you want, you want to have the best visual quality of any you know, medium that you're viewing, right? I mean, I I thought Avatar in 3D was pretty cool looking at the theaters, and and I could yeah. tell it was. I had I had seen other movies in 3D that maybe you know shouldn't have been done in 3D um, previous to that, where they did what you said, where they like kind of filmed it in 2D and edited it. But Avatar, you know, the whole thing was totally done to be a 3d kind of presentation and it was a big difference i mean it there was there was depth there it wasn't like it didn't look like parallax scrolling so to speak yeah 
an advanced version of that. It really looked 3D and it was it was cool. And there were times when things would kind of be like just the little insects in the air flying around. You're like, wow, those look like they're right there near me. Um, and it's really impressive to me. And it's so my 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 big thing is when they get to the point where they come up with a 3D system that um, is um, maybe more projection based to where you don't have to have the darn glasses all the time. Yeah. I think that's the big breakthrough. I think right now it's cool. I, I don't see it going away, but I don't know if it's going to be, uh, it won't be adopted like HDTV has no, as a standard, no. right? It's yeah. more of kind of like a, a fringe kind of cool thing to have. If you've got the extra, if you can throw the extra $200 at it per entertainment system or whatever it requires, um, to do it, that's great, but I don't think it's like, God, I can't, you know, I've got this CRT tube thing that's, you know, I've got a 13-inch CRT TV. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to stick with it. You know, people are going to want to go to HD TV, but I don't know about the 3D. So I definitely see it moving forward, and I really do think that that's the breakthrough is where it's glasses-free. Yeah, and apparently that's what Apple's working on. Apple's apparently cracked that nut. That was one of Steve Jobs' last memorable quotes. And I'd be really interested to see if the rumors are true that this television not only redefines the delivery of content and makes it better in the way that iPod has, or in addition to that, will it also deal with the whole multi-viewer, glasses-free 3D stuff. Because if that happened, they'd be like, whoa, oh, that would yeah. be phenomenal. I, I can't foresee that. I can't imagine that being developed in secret. I mean, a really great software system, a really good uh, retail dis online distribution system, that can be developed in secret. But when it comes to major technological advances like that versus refinements and really uh, yeah, finessed, yeah. existing interfaces, which is what iPod and iPhone were and the iPad. They're just really well-designed implementations of existing technology that can be kept in the back. That can be kept secret and really good software can be kept secret, but major technology. I mean, that would be like the segue to me. Oh yeah. Totally. <laughs> it's like, this is going to change the world. <laughs> what is it? Yeah, because even exactly. with the 3DS, I remember being really surprised when I first read that Nintendo was working on a handheld system that had 3D visuals that didn't require glasses. And that was unfathomable to me. But sure enough, at the same time the system was coming out, there were also smartphones coming out with the same technology. So it just can't be kept secret for long. There's other right. manufacturers involved, and it'll be done. I hope it'll be done sometime soon. And if Apple's the first to do it, you know, kudos to them. But I think we'll, it'll happen all at once, all across the board. I do, too. And be really, really expensive. Yeah, for a while. <laughs> Prohibitively expensive. So, yeah. <laughs> so many times that's the case. And then eventually it comes down to the point where it's just, you know, standard feature. Yeah. Now, speaking of Apple and iPads and iPhones, that's kind of ties into our next two questions in the technology category. Mark, do you feel that, or do you think the iPad will see a legitimate competitor that really just starts to take away its market share the way that Google's Droid phones have during the last couple of years? Do you think that'll happen in 2012, or do you think it will kind of remain status quo, de facto leader? Well, that's the thing, you know, I, I, I don't know what the sales numbers are between the iPad and all of the combined droid pads that, that exist today. You know, it may be that 
the droid pads have more market share at this point. But what, what I've been doing is I, I've been wanting to secretly – secretly I've been wanting to build a base. <laughs> if you would uh, – something that could destroy a planet. No. Um, <laughs> darn it. That game's getting to me. But no, I've been, I've been wanting to get a, a, a pad or iPad or a droid pad type thing from my wife for some time. And I've been constantly checking the reviews to see if a droid has, you know, come in to the point where it's a legitimate competitor against the iPad. And every time you read the review, the iPad, whatever version it is, if it's the iPad 1, back when the original droid pads came out, or the iPad 2, they always, like, destroy the competition. Yeah. You know, and it's it's funny. It's just so sad because it's like, oh, it has this, this, and this, but... In the end, the iPad always wins. Yes. And so that's kind of my question is in, in 2012, you know, will like somebody like HTC who's, you know, made some really good um, droid phones or Samsung or somebody come, you know, with their Galaxy Pad or, um, you know, Asus or whoever, will they come out with one that just wrecks the iPad? You know, that's like a quantum leap up beyond what the iPad has for graphics, for um, processor power for battery life for, um, you know, like thinness, you know, the whole thing. And, and, and I hope, I believe somebody's going to, I mean, there's just too many people investing too much to, uh, do that. You know, it seems like the iPads come out in a, in a, in almost like an 18 month life cycle type thing. I don't know. I could be wrong. I'm kind of making that figure up based on <laughs> being kind of a fringe, uh, you know, kind of monitoring person to statistician the yeah <laughs> but it seems like that's kind of the case with them and, and same with their iphones and stuff so i'm just wondering if somebody's going to come out with like a killer killer um droid pad that can can kind of overtake that but right now i mean they have reigned supreme since they announced their initial ipad it, yeah it's it's just amazing and when i've tried them all out i like the ipad better too I mean, I, I really don't want to, but I do like it better. It's just, it's just, it's really nice. So anyway, that's kind of, kind of my, my question. And, and my answer is I think definitely somebody will overtake them in 2012. Um, but I think it's, uh, it's going to be close and then they're going to come out with the iPad three and it's going to be, you know, all the gloves are going to come off. Kid gloves are going to come off. So. Yep. Yeah, it's it's definitely a transitional year for Apple coming up with Steve Jobs being gone. Yeah, how's we'll really get to? I, I think his legacy will continue to echo through at least the next year, maybe the next two. But we're going to start to see some differences, I think, in how the company operates and how much it surprises us or innovates in our opinion. Yeah, I mean, he was just. I mean, a lot of people say he was a dictator and a a dick and you know all those things but when you looked at how he would like single-mindedly steer them towards a vision you know in a lot of ways that's exactly what they needed to get where they are and and, and there was some some in some ways they were so uncompromising you know with the with the Macs you know they never allowed clones like the PCs you know they are what they are because of that and so it's going to be a big difference. Now, as far as mobile gaming actually goes, Apple frequently, just a, about three years ago, it started 
saying that it had the dominant video game device with the iPod Touch and continues to continue to say that when it first said it, I just rolled my eyes at that. I'm like, whatever. Just because a lot of people bought an iPod Touch does not mean they're all using it for gaming. But definitely in the years since, gaming on iPhones and iPod Touches as well as smartphones in general on droids and so forth has really become quite prolific. And the question is, are we seeing mobile game development peak? Has it reached a standard, like a standard level of output and quality? And we're just going to see a, a gradual improvement over the years, the way that we have with console video games, or is it going to start to decline? What's, what's your stance on that? I, I think that, you know, cause I'm thinking of social games when I think of stuff peaking because Farmville seemed like something that just wasn't going to go away and right. just was going to keep steamrolling. Don't get me wrong. It's definitely not gone, but it also does not have near the zeitgeist or charm in the press as it used to. Yeah. I think it's going to continue to advance. I mean, here's the question to me, you know, at one point, will I want to play the game on my iPhone or my Droid or my iPad or my Droid Pad or whatever versus the game on my console or my PC. Yeah. Personally, I have not re- have not yet reached that point. I have uh, I have passed a lot of time playing a certain um, tower defense game on my iPhone, but it's only when I can't be you know at my PC or my console. So at what point? I, I think that's kind of the that's the that's the point in time where the the playing field shifts dramatically, where they come up with games that are so compelling that you're like, I don't care that I have a console, I don't care that I have a PC, I just want to play this damn game on my iPhone or my iPad or whatever. And will 2012 be that time for me uh, personally? I I don't know, but I do know that people are incentivized to develop for these platforms because the sales right now of um, you know iPhones, um, droids are like massively outselling the iPhones right now. The um, Kindle Fires that have recently been released by um, Amazon, they've had three million sales of those. They, I mean, they they pushed out three million units of those in December alone, and those are only a seven-inch um, form factor, and they're supposed to come out with like a ten-inch version um, in January or February. So. I mean, you're talking like massive numbers of, of uh, you know, units being shipped out that can be the platform for these games. And you would think that there'd be a huge incentive for developers to start to make really, you know, high-quality products for them. And they're un- as well, the CPU power is, you know, growing dramatically in these, these, these devices. So maybe 2012 will be the time. I don't know. What do you, what do you think, Noah? Do you, are you... You you were talking about getting a like an iPhone or a Droid or something. Yeah, yeah. You think you're going to? Are you going to buy one based on um, gaming possibilities? Or are you going to buy it more based on phone utilization? Or- I'm definitely looking at this point more for productivity stuff, planning things, scheduling things, right. you using it for maps and getting directions to stuff, keeping my schedule straight because I've I'm really bad at that. I really should have never stopped using a day planner like I did back in college. I wrote everything out back in the day. 
And I'm hoping that this, my, my smartphone will solve that. Now I know that I'll get some games on there and I'm uh, inevitably will find something that I'll really get into like you have with your tower defense game. In fact, I did get my first taste of that with on my mom's Kindle Fire. She got a Kindle Fire. She's one of those three million people. She got one for Christmas and I finally got to play Angry Birds and cut the rope in earnest for, for quite some time. And it was really fun on the Kindle Fire because it's a giant screen. I'm not sure if I'd want to play it on a smartphone or not. But I know there's going to be some game on there, but it's definitely not going to be the defining factor of right. whether I get it, which type of smartphone I get. That's kind of interesting, actually. I mean, you being such a gamer, it's interesting that that's a secondary consideration to just productivity. I think that's really been true for everybody. It's everybody who's gotten an iPod Touch or an iPhone. It's it's like they know that there's games on there, and they're probably going to find something interested interesting on them. But it's not the primary reason. And yet, for one reason or another, it's become because so many people have them. Gaming has become more important and prolific on those devices. Right. But still, I think it's still secondary. Just like you were saying, Mark, I feel that while those games are definitely great and they're not bad or mediocre, I still am more charmed and more invested in the games that I play on consoles, PC, and my DS and 3DS. Yeah, that's that's the thing I left out was a DS. Um, yeah, I still like the games on those better because there's a button that I can press, and there's yeah. control sticks and analog pads and directional pads, and that makes all the difference for me because that's really like that's really how I enjoy playing games is with true tactile feedback. Now, I guess a good comparison there is being able to have a keyboard with your phone or just using the touchscreen for the phone. That's something that I'm kind of scared about in moving to a smartphone. It's like, oh, I really like my current clamshell phone that has a full-size keyboard in it because I love texting and I don't want to be victimized by autocorrect. <laughs> Believe me, everybody everybody faces that problem, and everybody inevitably goes for some hybrid thing that has like some kind of an optional fold-out keyboard, and, and then they regret it. <laughs> so oh, really? Just skip it and go with whatever you can get that's just a soft, you know, screen, touchscreen keyboard. Yeah. Everybody I've talked to that's done it has said, I wish I had just gotten with the, the, the model that didn't have that. So. All right. Well, good to know. Good to know. Yeah, because I, I did – my first smartphone that I got was uh, – it was an HTC thing, and it was like right before the droids came out, and it had the – the you know the actual fold out keyboard and it was such a pain in the ass and then when I got my iPhone it was like a a revolution had occurred you know <laughs> it's like I can deal with this touch keyboard I didn't think I could but I can so but the and difference it, is is the games become exclusively touch in that case yeah yep. whereas when you have a keyboard you can like when I, there's a Resident Evil game that I played that was related to the CG animated movie that came out the other year. And it's it's was a demo of it was installed on my little phone, and that and a demo of Tetris I think, and I loved playing those. I can play touchscreen, or I can play with the keyboard, and I always play with the keyboard because there's buttons that I can yeah. press. Yeah, and I like that so much better than touchscreen. But I'm I'm sure I will adapt like so many people have, like you mentioned. Yeah, I ad- I adapted, but it took one one failed effort with a phone to do it. So <laughs> <laughs> now speaking of our favorite video game mediums, there's predictions we can make for consoles in particular. It's widely expected by us and analysts and 
Nintendo fanboys that Wii U, the successor to Nintendo's Wii, is going to come out in 2012. And 3DS has started to really gain momentum after it had its $80 price cut the other month and had some really must-have games released in the form of Super Mario 3D Land and Mario Kart 7. We've got a really cool console-quality Resident Evil game coming up, Kid Icarus. So the questions that I have related to these two devices are whether or not Wii U, which is a tablet-based game system, it's a tablet much like an iPad, except it's got stuck on the sides, analog sticks, shoulder buttons, and face buttons in addition to the tablet. Will that system flop is my question there. And will 3DS continue to do well, especially with PSP's Vita, where the PlayStation Vita is supposed to be coming out, the successor to the PSP. That's coming out. Your loyalty by a Vita. Sorry. Yeah. And Vita has kind of done so-so in Japan. It launched the other week and sold just shy of... 3DS's original launch numbers in Japan. So I'm definitely not blowing the doors off, and I'd be really interested to see if it does really well out here because there's the whole smartphone side of the equation. Right. And 3DS, I think, can continue to do well, provided that more must-have games come out in this next year. What happens after that, I'm really not sure. Yeah, I, I honestly thought the Wii would kind of flop, and it totally didn't. You know, they, like, did so many yeah. weird things when they launched with their limited distribution and, well, limited limited product, I guess, distribution. Mm-hmm. I mean, not that, I, I mean, they had, what they have? They had, like, a some kind of a strange system by which they decided that whatever the demand was, they would only allow uh, a third of that to be produced at any time. Well, it sure seemed like that. They claimed that they just didn't have enough materials to produce enough Wii's to meet demand, but it certainly felt manufactured. Yeah, it was really weird. And and yet, it seemed to thrive. And still, when you go to, like, a Best Buy, I mean, that's kind of my barometer, right? You go to Best Buy or Walmart, and there's still a huge Wii section, and it's got people buying stuff all over the place (laughs) for Christmas holidays. So, I mean, the Wii definitely did succeed despite my, you know... uh, negative uh, (laughs) uh, outlook for it. So I wouldn't imagine that the U would flop necessarily, but it might take a while to uh, catch on. It's definitely something they need to do. They need to move forward. But I think 3DS has a really bright future um, just based on what you've discussed, you know, some of the titles that are upcoming, the fact that it's actually kind of cool to play. It's 3D without glasses. It's just you know, kind of a cool platform and it still it still allows you to play all the other, you know, DS titles you may have had. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, especially if you've if you've been a, a Nintendo DS kind of connoisseur, you know, you you kind of would logically gravitate towards one of these guys, uh, you know, after what was it? The 3DS Lite was the last um, model before this. There was the DSi, which was basically oh, a large version of the DS Lite. Slightly right. larger screens, and then it also had an online store that you could download games onto. It. That's right, yeah. But yeah, it's, I'd see that thing is kind of moving along. Um, you know, maybe with even more momentum than the the Wii U. But we'll see. I I don't understand how Nintendo does what it does. I've never understood them. They're yeah. they're they're like a skunk works kind of black magic. <laughs> 
I'm personally pretty skeptical about Wii U just because unlike with Wii where it's like really entranced and mesmerized by like, wow, that's so cool. I have to try that. I'm much more skeptical for some reason or another about this tablet thing and not really sold on it. And there's not been any games announced yet that's just like, oh my gosh, I have to get the system so I can play that game. Right. So Nintendo has to really prove itself in the next coming months to make Wii U seem pretty compelling to justify yet another $250 outlay when you've got potentially the successors to Xbox and PS3 coming out, if not this year, definitely in the next year. Yeah, that's a good point. Which on that topic, I think we'll definitely see Xbox's successor shown at E3, yeah. whether or not it comes out this year, I'm still unsure. I'm not sure if Connect really has that much more gas left in it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, PS3 seems to be doing really good and gaining more market share. People have finally started to come around to the system because the price came down. Move has been kind of a dud for yeah. the system. It's not been, you know, doesn't matter if it's high definition graphics or 3D graphics or not. People just are not excited by. We part two in terms of motion controls, and that's what Sony's move has been. Whereas Connect still has a bit of a novelty. It just there's not still many must-have games coming out for it. You know, I'm interested in the potential of Connect versus Move, or even the Wii uh, Wii Motes and things like that. Yeah, just because it's a different way of interfacing. Yeah, it's totally different. Yeah, I definitely think it has huge potential just in general for computer usage overall. Yeah. That's my thought too, is what, what else are they going to come up with for that? And, you know, maybe it's not 2012, but maybe 2013, something like that, especially since it's going to most likely be built into the, you know, the offering for the P, uh, Xbox um, 360 successor that will just be kind of a standard part of the, 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 the console. Yeah, yeah. It's like, as they build on that technology, what else will it be able to, to do? Um, so I'm, I'm kind of, I think it's got, of all of the future, um, futures of the three kind of product lines being PS3, Wii, and, and, uh, Xbox, I think the Kinect has the most potential. I agree with you on that. I just don't, I'm just not that person that's going to come up with that next great idea to make it revolutionary. Yeah. <laughs> but I think someone will be. Yeah, I think between gestures and voice control, that's really where all technology is going. Yeah. Whether it's Siri on the iPhone 4S or voice and gesture commands with Connect on your Xbox 360. It's funny. iPhone revolutionized phones by removing buttons. Right. And making it all just touch and infinitely versatile. And I feel like Connect takes it even one step further where you don't even need buttons. You don't need anything tactile to get yeah. things done. You go into the world of the realm of Minority Report, always the if classic you, example. If, yeah, if you're ever feeling unimpressed by the Connect, just go to YouTube and watch the look for the videos for Connect. There's one where it just shows what a Connect kind of actually sees when it scans. Oh, a room. it's so cool! It's incredible. Yeah, it's like wow, that's that's some pretty cool stuff in in there. And I'm not being like and anybody who knows me. I'm not a Microsoft fanboy. No, but but I am impressed by what that thing can do. And, and, and I just think that they're going to come up with bigger and better things for it in the future. Looking into our other favorite game device, that'd be PCs. That puts us into the 
arena of MMOs ah. are a lot of our favorite games of the past and for Channel Massive reside. First up, the current bell of the ball is Star Wars The Old Republic. We have some things that we'd like to prognosticate on. First of all, it's it's already hit, I think, a million subscribers. Yes, it has. Right it's up over a million. Game, yeah. Maybe even 1.5. So really phenomenal launch for Bioware here. Mark was wondering if this game will continue to thrive through 2012 with its traditional subscription model or end up going free to play before year's end. That would be crazy. But I think it could happen and this is what could this is what could cause it to happen as far as a totally uh horrific scenario. So I was looking around on the web, I was just googling um SWTOR um planned uh, uh, what was I looking for? Con- um, future content announcements, and there's like almost nothing. So there's I found a couple of sites which have vague promises of what the so to speak live team is working on for um, 2012, and you know they well let me go through what they listed actually. They listed a few things. Um, you know, new content. We'll be adding new content. Okay, that's great. More guild functionality, UI customization. Yeah, you know, um, with WoW with its Lua thing is kind of impressive. PvP, they have an entire team dedicated to adding content and features to player versus player. Space combat, more space combat missions. Legacy system, they're going to um, have the ability to select a surname for your character. Well, that's pretty exciting. And more. So it's, to me, incredibly vague. What will kill this game, what will make people unsubscribe or just lose interest, is if they get to level 50 by, say, um, February or March. And mm-hmm. a lot of people already are at level 50. I've seen quite a few in the game already. And they've exhausted all of the in-game content. Now, I don't know. I don't know anyone. I haven't had you know in-depth conversations with those level 50 people to say, hey, have you have you hit the wall, so to speak, yet? But the, the, the replayability that Bioware is offering for the game is to say, okay, well, that's great that you got one character to, to level 50, but you've got seven different other character types that you can take to level 50 to keep you going. Well, considering these guys get to level 50 this fast, you know, with one, I mean, that's still only going to take them through, you know, maybe April. And they're going to have exhausted all of those capabilities, or they might not find those other character types or, you know, classes compelling enough to continue, or they just are like the type of person that just wants to focus on a main character. And so that's my big concern is that they're not going to be able to come up with content fast enough to keep these people interested. Mm-hmm. And we've seen with with an MMO that's incredibly popular and huge, like WoW, that an 18-month um uh, you know, development cycle for expansions just doesn't really cut it with the player base. They basically play through that content for, you know, what, three to six months, and then they play other games until the next one comes out, if they're even loyal to it to that extent. So 
that's how I could see it going free to play is basically everybody is really excited for the first, you know, two to three months and then starts to just drop off dramatically. And they're like, oh, crap, we got to do something. And they go, let's go free to play. It could be crazy. I don't know. What are your thoughts, Noah? I, I actually had not considered the whole hardcore MMO fans conundrum. The people who perhaps like Agamemnon who are going to get to the end game and they're going to start their next Sith character and like, wow, there's so much overlap in this experience, even though I'm playing a different character class, I'm still going through the same linear progression and I'm seeing a lot of the same pieces of content aside from this 15% of content that I've seen before. And it's just not good enough. I I really hadn't thought about that. It's like, oh, that that could be bad. You know what I thought you were going to predict? What's Was it that? that you were going to say, wow, goes free to play? Oh, crap. <laughs> in, a, in a desperate, desperate move, let's say that in, in a horrible scenario, wow just begins to hemorrhage players to Star Wars The Old Republic because for some reason it just becomes the new crack cocaine, which so far that doesn't seem to be the case. I mean, it's definitely had a noticeable impact. And oh, yeah. Blizzard, in its desperation because it doesn't have its new MMO ready yet, says, fine, free to play, wow. And then that would be like, whoa, what do you do? But in contrast, the content in wow has been totally exhausted many times over for a lot of people. And people are just hanging out because I think they've invested their time and they just like being there. Yeah. Uh, they have friends there. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I I think it'll be around, it's not going to be like those SOE games where they're out for six months, eight months, like, surprise, we're going free to play. Unless the microtransaction alert just becomes so strong. I remember when, when Old Republic was initially announced, Bioware wouldn't take a stance on what the financial model would be. It's like, right. we're considering many options. Yeah, I remember that too, yeah. And I'm like, wow, well, is it going to be free to play with microtransactions? And of course they didn't end up doing that. They said, all right, we're going to maybe have a store in addition to a traditional subscription model because they knew they could get away with it, at least for launch. But, yeah, geez, I don't know. Look at Warhammer. I guess that's a good a, a good parallel yeah. since it's also published by EA, and it hasn't gone free to play yet. That's true. And I kind of feel like it should have. And if a game that's done the kind of numbers as Warhammer has, that's run by EA, still hasn't gone free to play, that would suggest to me that Old Republic has at least a year or two before it'll get out into the free-to-play pastures, if it's if EA has anything to do with it. Yeah, they are. They're, you're right about that. They're pretty, uh, <laughs> I don't know, different kind of executive there at EA. <laughs> Yeah. Kind of cutthroat. So like, we're going to milk this and we're going to milk it good. So do you think, speaking of Blizzard, that we'll see anything about its next massively multiplayer online game in 2012? I don't know. I'm sure we'll, I, I think maybe, um, as you put in the show notes, maybe a, an announcement or something. Maybe a teaser at BlizzCon. Yeah, but I can't imagine they'll have much to say. That's, it's just their way. They love their. They love to just kind of tease us along. Especially with two more StarCraft two expansions coming up, Diablo right. three coming up, and inevitably Diablo three is going to have expansions. Granted, these are not the same teams or resources being working that are working on 
the MMO or Warcraft for that matter, World of Warcraft. Right. But, uh, I, I think we'll see a teaser. We gotta see a teaser at BlizzCon because I'm, frankly, I'm not sure. I'm not sure where the bottom is for World of Warcraft in terms of subscriber attrition, but there is one out there. Yeah, there has the, to be. The peak has been reached. We are now in decline. What is the minimum number? Like with EVE Online, EVE Online has what, 40,000 players simultaneously right now? Yeah, and 360 subscribers. 360,000 <laughs> subscribers, I mean. Yeah, so that's the base for that game because that game's been out forever. So what is Blizzard? What do you think would be World of Warcraft's basement, so to speak, of paying subscribers? Would it be like 5 million? God, I don't know, you know. I mean, that's a tough one because their infrastructure is so gigantic and their teams are huge. When do you think, this probably wouldn't be into 2012, but when do you think we'd hear the first announcement from Blizzard about server consolidation in World of Warcraft? Wow, I'd say at like maybe 2 million. Like what year do you think that would happen though? Oh, 20... 2020, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, maybe like 2013 uh, or something. Wow, yeah, so just a couple of years away. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's got to happen. It's just got to happen. I mean, their next expansion with the Pandarian and all that, um, and a monk, you know, it's just not resonating with the player base very well, at least the people I talk to. It's, yeah, it's more of like a, wow, I'm going to – and most people are like, well, I will surely buy it and I will surely get my character up to the next max level and maybe try one of them their monks out, but not, not as a panda because that would be lame. You know, <laughs> that's pretty much what people are talking about when I talk to them. Yeah, this garden. seemed to have sparked the same kind of excitement the way that yeah. Wrath of the Lich Cat- 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 Cataclysm. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's just kind of like Kung Fu Panda, you know? I, I just. Exactly. With yeah. a touch of Pokemon. I'll be the Dragon Warrior. Monster so, collection. Yeah. Yeah. Gets her trading cards going. But fortunately, we should expect in Blizzard, in Blizzard's defense, I'm sure that Mists of Pandaria will be great for people who are into that kind of thing. But if you're not into World of Furries. Warcraft <laughs> or Pandas, we have Diablo 3 and StarCraft 2 Heart of the Swarm to look forward to. Yeah, that's this year. I'm looking forward to that. Those, yeah. I think have a lot of people's excitement and tension. They do for me, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, both of them, huge. What do you think you'll? Do you think that Diablo three will just utterly dominate? Oh, for me, yeah, for, for me, you it'll totally, it'll take over my gaming life. Yeah, uh, I, I can't imagine. I don't know how many hours. You know, back in the day that I played Diablo two, there wasn't any kind of cool tracking system like Raptor or anything to tell me how many hours I've. <laughs> my life I lost to that game. Yeah. But it's got to be well into the, you know, I must have gone beyond a thousand. Oh, wow. I mean, I just played and played and played, just take, take, took like big breaks and then played and played and played. I mean, it's got to be over a thousand hours, which is really a scary number <laughs> when you think about it. Yeah. But that game owned me and I, and Diablo three looks to be, you know, much the same. Um, so what are you getting about... heart of the swarm? Oh yeah. And I got to have that too, because I, I was a huge <laughs> Starcraft player too. So yeah, both, both those titles are going to come out and vie for my attention. 
exciting. Getting back into MMOs, these aren't the only games in town, the ones that we've been talking about. We actually have at least one moderately high-profile MMO on the horizon, and the, and the name of that one is Secret World right? from Funcom. How do you think that's going to do? That's going to be, so far, it's a subscription-based MMO. Yeah, that's the plan. Kind of an X-Files spin to it, real world with Monsters Are Real vibe. Yeah, kind of a, uh, what would you call it? Yeah. Call a Cthulhu type thing. Yeah. For it. With secret societies running around deciding yeah. how things go. The Illuminati. I'm definitely interested in it. I think it sounds pretty cool. It's just, but I wouldn't be surprised in contrast that it could be just like the SOE MMOs that we've seen this year where, oh yeah, they're out for about six, eight months and oh, they're free to play. Or APB. Yeah, APB. Oh gosh, it wasn't that bad. And we've closed it down and now we've sold it to someone else and we've closed uh, our whole development company. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, I don't know. I hope it does well because it's an interesting, you know, alternative type MMO. I think, you know, I hope it, does at least as well as the matrix did yeah. um maybe better i mean i'd really like to play a game like that i think it'd be it'd be quite fun so uh, but i don't i have i have no idea i really that's a bad 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 for prognostication but i really don't know how it's gonna do it's just such a wild card you know and will it resonate with the player base it's neither space nor fantasy nor, you know, you know what I mean? It's kind of in between everything. Yeah. It's just weird. But a really cool idea, I think. And is Terra supposed to come out this year? Or is that Ash? I remember us being kind of interested in checking it out. Yeah, I remember that game. And I'd like to say that it's coming out this year, I hope. But I don't know. We we have Rift. That was the big game, the big uh, third party. Or okay, let's check it out. Yeah, it's got a tentative release schedule for, as far as Terra is concerned, Q1 or Q2 in 2012. Oh, okay. So that's do. Yeah, it's it's actually already been out in South Korea since January of 2011. But it's not coming out until in Europe and North America until 2012. That could do okay. It's a traditional fantasy MMO. Not yeah. quite sure if it's subscription based or not. I just but don't see it. I just don't see it being compelling to Western players, really. The, what it has going for it is that it's got this quote-unquote real-time battle system where you actually have to aim your attacks. You have to actually dodge. You can dodge things. Right. And coming in. Uh, and it's like, yeah. Yeah. Could be okay, but... And then Rift. I don't know. That's still running as a subscription game. Yeah. And Do you think that'll hacked. go? Free to play? Oh, that's right. Yeah. You know, You're I was a beta, an unfortunate was a beta, victim of that. I was a beta player of it, and I got this cool thing that the Tryon World Network had been hacked and basically that all my personal information was probably compromised, but that I should feel happy to know that most of my credit card was masked. Oh, my so, God. Like, great. Thanks so much for that. Um, fortunately, I don't, didn't ever give them my credit card information. So 
uh, as a beta player, but yeah, it was awesome. Wow. So yeah, they've had a breach and they're not being very forthcoming with their kind of post-mortem of what all happened, which is quite unfortunate, um, but it does sound like passwords were... Uh, Holy cow. So... So, yeah, if, if they have your email address and your password, um, you know, hackers could pretty much go after a whole bunch of other potential, you know, digital assets that you might own or, you know, different wow. accounts. So that's a real bummer. But, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd imagine Rift's going to go free to play, if not in 2012, maybe early 2013, but I just can't see them keeping the... Uh, the player base without the, the competition. Everybody everybody always talks about what great graphics they have, and that's awesome, but they seem to have, you know, limitations to their content. That's always a bummer. So what do you think about uh, our friends at Riot Games there, Noah? Yes, that is a, it's we lumped them in here under MMOs, but it's not really an MMO, it's, but it is an online game that millions of people play, and we wanted to talk about them because we almost forgot it just to include them in here because we really wanted to be traditional about these predictions, but as far as Riot Games is concerned, they're apparently working on more than just League of Legends. There's supposed to be yeah. another game coming from them, and I would really love to see that this they year. Grabbed a, they grabbed a huge... Um, didn't they grab one of the main developers or something from... Uh... Bioware? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they did. So they're, yeah, they're they're definitely working on other projects. I'd really be excited to see what that is. I mean, because with Dota 2 around the corner coming from Blizzard, the, the heat is going to be on for League of Legends and for the others out there, such as Heroes of New Earth and even the original Dota community. And I don't know how Riot will respond either with a new game mode like Dominion or a new game altogether that utilizes their finely honed microtransaction free-to-play model. Yeah, that would say finely honed to a razor's edge. That thing is it's addictive, I'll tell you. But that's it. There's still plenty of ground left to cover in League of Legends from the basics of such like a spectator mode and artificial intelligence taking over when you have levers, stuff that you're going to see apparently in Dota 2 at launch, League of Legends could definitely stand to have some of those things integrated as well. So, so the work is definitely not done there by any means. Yeah, I would love I would love for them to get spectator mode and that AI thing going. That would be so incredibly cool. Or, I feel like they're really torn, though, because the competitive gaming scene is really starting to take off for League of Legends. It's really gaining even more legitimacy there. Yeah. And I feel like they're having difficulty splitting their resources between supporting that and making League of Legends a true world-class competitive game, as well as keeping all the casual players happy, right. as well as developing new modes and things that they promised years ago that they still haven't done, as right. well as coming up with a brand new game altogether. That's true, <laughs> yeah. But they are hiring like crazy, so maybe, they, maybe they'll maybe they be able to make it work somehow. But... You know what's crazy? Ryan, who was a guest in our show some months ago, and now loves League of Legends. He actually interviewed with Riot. Oh, wow. But ultimately turned them down. Aw. Aw. Someday we'll know someone who goes over there and works for them. Yeah. I know it. It will happen. It's got to happen sometime. Wow, that's awesome. 
Our next category of predictions is the industry in general. So Mark brought up that he was an unfortunate victim of the tr- of Tram being hacked. Who else do you think it's it's like this whole hacking thing is not going away? Do you have any guesses on who could be unfortunate enough to be hacked next I, in twenty twenty? I, I think Blizzard has it coming. Yeah, I kind of uh, feel like that too. I mean, I really do. I mean, it's not just because it's not saying that they don't have good security or because they're not doing a good job. It's just because every phishing email I get is, I mean, every other one is like somebody pretending they're blizzards, um, you know, uh, security guys saying that my account's been compromised and only by providing my username and password will they be able to set my account right, mm-hmm. you know? And it's so, it's not so much that, that they're not able to protect themselves. It's that they're just such a big target. Someone will inevitably get in. Well, yeah, it's that whole Windows versus Apple virus topic about like, yeah. oh, well, Apple is, is just such a safer computer because they get so many few viruses. Well, that's because Apple has only a fraction of the market share. Right. There's so many <laughs> more Windows machines out there. So, of course, where the people are, where the potential victims are, that's where the attackers are going to focus. Yeah. And that makes sense for Blizzard. I'm sure Blizzard has round-the-clock people working on defending against such attacks. Oh, I'm sure. But, you know, you, there's just only so much you can do. If somebody is definitely going to um, be dedicated to the cause of, you know, hacking your <laughs> system and they have the resources to do it, especially if it's some kind of a corporate thing, it's it's going to happen, you know. So oh, yeah. I, I could first see Blizzard going down this year. Um, i trying to think of who else would be out there that's, you know. In the, you think Old Republic, Bioware? Oh, like EA. I could see EA going down, yeah, big, big time. Mm. I mean, it's just there's just so much money on the line there. There's so many credit card accounts that you could get to. Um, you know, I'm sure Amazon's a huge target. What about Riot? I mean, Riot's oh. had some issues already. Yeah, I could see Riot, especially because they're like an indie kind of company. Well, now they're becoming kind of mainstream. But, yeah, I could see Riot being a huge target as well. So. No one is safe from it, you know. <laughs> it's it's just uh, kind of the nature of the beast. But yeah, I, I really do anticipate that the breaches will not will not slow down in 2012, and we'll be very much surprised by who gets hacked. And, and to some what of the extent. yeah, and, and some of the headlines they haven't been limited to the video game industry. There has also been the whole thing with Julian Assange and WikiLeaks and the cables, that's what they were called, all the stuff from the sensitive government documents, and there's been other hacking going on, getting into the whole realm of Hollywood uh, sci-fi. Do you think that we'll see something really significant get hacked beyond the world of gaming in 2012? Oh, like a federal thing or something like that? Um, yeah. Yeah, I could see it happening. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, it's just becoming one of those things where you're, 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 you're almost as careful. You're as careful as you can be in what you provide to any kind of online, um, you know, institution that you have, including your bank. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're like, oh, how much information about me does my bank really even need? I mean, because those guys are huge targets, and 
I mean, having mm-hmm. Xbox Live accounts hacked in mass um, for the last six months, of which I was one of the lucky people to be hacked. Um, you know, it's just it's just one of those things where, yeah, I don't think anything's safe, and it's just going to be it's just going to continue on and on and on, and and hackers are becoming more and more sophisticated, as well as the defenses, of course. But there, you're always going to be able to spend. Um, what's the there's like a there's like a general formula for it but it's like basically anyone who wants to get in will inevitably get in as long as they have the the time and resources they need to do it or something silly like that which basically says if there's a will there's a way (laughs) you know so yeah we're just kind of (laughs) screwed yeah we as consumers just have to be really careful about things like you know not using google docs as a repository for all of your passwords you know, things like that. Um, you know, don't don't go don't put don't create an email to yourself with all your passwords for your, your all your banking institutions and your Google Mail or your Yahoo or something like that. You know, be really careful. Have have um, you know personal um, password vaults that are loaded only on a local machine or even a USB device or something that you keep only at your house. I mean, there's all these different things you can do to try to protect yourself, but every single one of them can be defeated. So, so the moral of the story is you just can't win. Yeah. Give it up. And meanwhile, the government is trying to be proactive in protecting citizens and businesses at the same time. And we've got this whole SOPA act that is lurking around Washington and getting all of the major internet companies up in arms and then you also have the whole regulation of the Internet by the FCC. Just a lot of privacy concerns that, you know, there's there's good intentions behind them, but they are almost always being roundly criticized as an overstepping of government. But for me, I could see us having some catastrophic hacking scenario that will force the government into some kind of overreaction. I mean, they're already going into the realm of overreaction without a incredible, a, a catastrophic disaster related yeah, to totally. security. But I could definitely see that happening maybe even as soon as the next year. Oh, yeah. I guess my big concern about things like this SOPA deal that they're still trying to work out, which is funny, it's Stop Online Piracy Act. It's like, wow, that's really a cool acronym. <laughs> but if they had taken it just a little farther, it could be Stop Online Piracy Act, please. Uh, what would it be? I was trying to spell it Sopapia. Please, I ask <laughs> you. Yeah. Stop Online Piracy Act, please, I ask, would be um, Sopapia, which would be much better. But – Seriously, it's like they're trying when you li- when you li- look at the the um, the act and all the things it could possibly impact. They're talking about messing around with DNS, deep packet inspection, where they could, um, you know, potentially analyze every single packet of a um, of a data stream between you know uh, an individual and another individual. It's like it's kind of like all that stuff stuff from McCarthyism, you know. Yeah, and that's that's why when you look at the Piracy Act on Wikipedia, Wikipedia being the definitive source of information for everything, <laughs> you find that the opposition is much more 
well spoken than the supporters, <laughs> at least to my point of view. I mean, mm-hmm. it's and they bring up all these good points, and you know, there's they're talking about messing around with DNS, so you would just remove um, people from DNS who you felt were in violation, and you would just you know make all these like changes to the internet which the internet isn't designed to be something that can be centrally controlled it's decentralized by nature and they're talking about basically trying to kind of game the system of the internet by centralizing some of the control which makes it not what it was ever meant to be and it was designed by DARPA which was you know a, a United States defense initiative so it's supposed to be the way it is, so let's fuck with it. Let's, like, totally mess it up so that it can be, um, you know, controlled and controlled by the government, but really not by the government so much as, as kind of steered by these lobbyists who are lobbying for the, you know, the film, the, the music, mm-hmm. and the gaming um, industry. Well, that's all well and good, but, you know, people who have come up with really good online piracy um, plans are, are Steam, for instance, where it's like you have to be connected to, to Steam to be able to play the game. But, you know, while that might be a pain in the butt in some rare instances, most people seem to be able to find ubiquitous Internet access in general. So it's not a pain in the butt, and it does kind of legitimize um, the way that they do business. And... And I don't know, I, myself, you know, there was a time in my life where I used to actually pirate games quite a bit. And I haven't pirated anything in the, like, I don't know, it's been probably five years since I pirated a game. I don't know about you, Noah, but I just, it's it's just easier to be a consumer in this day and age with things like Steam, especially with console games where you, you can't really um, pirate them unless you actually hack your console. Yeah. And that's become very difficult now too it's easier just to actually do it legitimately so you know it seems like a whole bunch of ado about nothing to me and a bunch of a bunch of uh people like stamping their feet and saying we've got to make a change to this and in a way that totally you know goes against everything that the internet was supposed to be in the first place Mm -hmm. so i guess the question is Will 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 it pass? Probably because the legislative folks that we've voted to elect us are um, generally to 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 my take. You know, they're they're not all very technically savvy. Some are. There's some exceptions, but to most, this will seem like something that's just logical. We must protect the film, the you know, the music and the game industry why would we let these people attack them they're you know these these people with their nefarious aims are obviously intent on just stealing stuff so i think something dumb like this might pass i don't know what the future ramifications are but um certainly it's it's it takes a whole lot of resources to do deep and i'm doing air quotes deep packet inspection which (laughs) is one of the things outlined in the sopa act that's a whole lot of data. <laughs> so it sure is. Good luck to you. So our final prediction slash question is: Will the world end in December 2012? Oh yes, as the Mayans, who were ironically unable to predict their way out of their own demise, 
uh, able to clearly first see. Um, no, I don't believe it will. I, uh, I have a friend who is a bit of a conspiracy theorist who is telling me about this thing called the WebBot. Have you heard of this? No. no not not WebBots as a technology, but the WebBot. Apparently, there's these two guys that run this this thing called the WebBot that they use for. Uh, it initially was designed for um, analyzing the internet, like kind of like meta metadata on the internet, as far as like you know trends and. Uh, Trending for like financial um, trending to be able to kind of predict the stock market, but then they started to see that it actually had um, further depth and was able to foresee trends in everything. And so, according to the WebBot, the world won't necessarily end in, in December 2012, but there'll be like 18 months of very little internet activity compared to what we see today like a huge lull as though some kind of cataclysmic event may have occurred. And to that, I say hogwash, but it is funny and interesting. Um, that's weird. It predicts low amount of internet activity. Yeah. That's what it predicts. It predicts like something will happen that will cause the internet to virtually, you know, be reduced to just a spark. Uh, as opposed to the roaring, you know, inferno it is now. And uh, that's what it predicts. And, you know, I just I just can't buy into things that are based on, like, numerology like that. <laughs> I just, you know, there's also these guys that, like, view, like, they go and view these old, like, um, you know, Jewish or Hasidic texts, and they they skip every fourth letter, and they take those words and, figure out what they make words out of diagonals kind of like you would do in a word scramble oh yeah and they come up with like these prophecies and things and to that i also say hogwash so i don't think the world's going to end in december 2012 but just in case it is i've begun building my my bunker um so you know we'll see i'm gonna stock it up with guns and lots of uh um <laughs> I don't know, Mountain Dew and some... Yeah, uh, naturally. What else would you want? You'd want some kind of meat, right? Maybe... Uh, some, some Slim Jims? Some Slim Jims. <laughs> A bunch of Slim Jims, Mountain Dew, some water. And uh, eh, I'm working on that. I don't know. Are you, do are you working on something similar, Noah? Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll have my disaster kit ready by yeah. then. <laughs> yeah. Do you foresee an end of the world ending in... The, well, I don't know. I mean, we were talking about a pretty forthright in the intro. I would assume it's a foregone conclusion that it's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> With only Channel Massive to be your companion. Right. <laughs> Broadcasting on a frequency, an AM frequency. Yes. <laughs> you have to get close to the bunker in order yeah. to pick up the reception. But if you're under a bridge, will surely not work. But <laughs> yeah, we'll be able to read us. But Yeah. No, I don't think it's going to happen. I, I really don't. I don't think those Mayans were that smart. And I do think that people who believe in numerology of any type are on some kind of substance. <laughs> <laughs> 
I say that as my cold medicine and my giant rum and coke are kicking in simultaneously. <laughs> You're not supposed to mix those two. I know I wasn't supposed to. I wasn't going to. And I just, it was just such a habit to make a giant rum and coke for the podcast that did it anyway. And I am really feeling it and really regretting it right now. So, oh, my God. I will say this to listeners. I am not going to be driving tonight. I am just going to go from my basement up two flights of stairs to my bedroom and go to sleep. So, <laughs> And listeners, if there's no podcast next week, now you'll know why. <laughs> you'll know. You know, there was a drunk walking accident. <laughs> pulled over by an officer. <laughs> so. Yeah. That's it for episode 179. <laughs> yeah, sorry to end it on such a high note. <laughs> I predict for 20, 2012 much more sobriety on my part than this, <laughs> this last week. But uh, it, I have to say it's been a great year podcasting with you, Noah. Hey, likewise. Um, you know, it's been a lot more duo shows than normal. We've had a really good time with it. I'm looking forward to 2012. Yeah, me too. I, same here, and I really loved all of the great feedback we've gotten since we've returned to the air on a regular yeah. basis and all the awesome co-hosts that we've had. Triumphantly so. returned to the air. Yes. <laughs> great podcasts have been discovered. Or, um, co- See, can't even talk. Great co-hosts have been discovered. Yes. The so listeners, if you have any feedback on this episode, as always... Please send it into mail. M-A-I-L. Channelmaster.com. And also leave us a review over on iTunes. And provided that Mark makes it up two flights of stairs, which is fine. <laughs> we should be back next week. I will attempt it. Yes. Thank you for listening. And have a great new year. Best podcast in the world. World of Warcraft for ten years. If I can play Diablo 3 soon, I might just kill myself.